to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. Should you get the AstraZeneca vaccine or not? Dr. Jason Kinderchuk weighs in on that and our future in terms of this pandemic. Are you feeling that your life or your business is chaotic? Carolyn Gross, life coach and author of Rise Above the Chaos, calms you down. And did you know that 8.1 million Canadians are unpaid caregivers? One former investment banker shares his story of being a caregiver for his dying wife. The Sunday Night Health Show podcast starts now. Easter and Passover to all those tuning in who are celebrating in a year characterized by masks, anti-maskers, physical distancing, hand sanitizers, people who are defying public health orders, lockdowns, lovers quarrels, the vaccination rollout has begun. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, a show about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, sexual health educator, and host of this program. Behind the boards, uh, we have Leo. He's joining us tonight. Good evening, Leo. Uh, good evening, Maureen. How are oh, you? I'm pretty good. <laughs> You'll learn. It's not easy to work with me, Leo. <laughs> Your heart will race. <laughs> You'll panic. <laughs> I'll be super chill. <laughs> and the show will go on. All right. Well, thanks for joining the program and daring to uh, help me out. If you'd like to be a part of this program, please give me a call. The number to call is one 399 9898 That's one 399 9898 You can text me there as well or email me in confidence at nursetalk at hotmail.com. Although we cover a variety of health subjects, this show is not a replacement for a visit to your doctor virtually or by phone. Tonight in the program, we're going to talk about uh, how to rise above the chaos, the chaos that we've been living in for over a year now, and we are living in chaos. I'm also going to be talking about some of the most important numbers that you should know about your health. Also going to be talking about... um, you know, the, the COVID protocols and um, why they don't make sense for some people and why it's very difficult for a lot of people to actually follow through on some of those. Um, tonight on the program, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking about caregivers. Did you know that Canada has 8.1 million unpaid caregivers? Here And so we're going to be talking about one man's story about how he went from investment banking to caregiving for his wife who was dying with cancer. All right. We talk about all sorts of health subjects and we do a dose of sex too every now and again because uh, there's always a dose of sex talk or two. Makes it a little bit fun. So put those kidless to bed. Grab a cup of tea or wine or your lover or, you know, just a, a chick if you like. Um, I meant like a chick that you got for an Easter egg, Easter egg hunt. <laughs> anyway, because we've got lots to talk about on the program, but right now... Oh... 
joining me on the line, <laughs> Bada Bing, um, is, you've heard his voice before, he is the assistant professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases, University of Manitoba, Canada, and holds a Tier 2 Canada Research Chair in the Molecular Pathogenesis of Emerging and Re-Emerging Viruses. He is currently seconded to collaboratively advance research and development against COVID-19 at Vito. He is Dr. Jason Kindrachuk, and he joins me on the line. Good evening, Dr. Kinderchuk. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? Happy Easter to you. <laughs> yeah, listen, we're, we're going through uh, potty training right now, so it's been... Lovely. It's, it's been a struggle. Here's the deal. Here's my advice. <laughs> now, I know you're here to give advice. <laughs> listen, it will happen. Your child will not go to school, not potty trained. One day, magically, they will say, I got to go. I did it. <laughs> That's it. All of you adults, stop bugging me. <laughs> but I know parents get stressed about that. <laughs> There's a you know, lot it's of... Just, it's, it's just entertaining. Right? I, I feel bad for her. She's trying to figure it out. Oh. Yeah, that's nice. I remember one of mine sat on the potty chair, fully clothed, sat down and on the deck. I think I had the potty chair on the back deck, and he sat down and said, uh, this isn't working. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about potty training, although it's a very important subject and one that can cause uh, concern and stress for lots of parents out there. But something else that's causing concern and stress, especially when you've been locked down with your toddlers, is um, Canada's COVID situation. We have hit 1 million today as the um, variant, or this week as the variants spread. Uh, what is the outlook here, Dr. Kinderchuk? I mean, I'm even losing hope and a little bit of faith. I know the vaccine rollouts have gone, um, you know, have started. Um, across Canada. They're doing them just a little bit differently. Um, I feel like we should be doing them 24-7. A lot of healthcare workers are used to working night shifts. Um, you know, we have disagreements. Some people are defying public health laws. Others are, you know, throwing police and, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, police officers and the law out of churches in Calgary. And, um, you know, we're kind of, you know, not as united as we perhaps could be and uh, perhaps a little bit divided. And what impact is this going to have on um, the future, our future? Yeah, you know, I certainly think that that's the case, right? And really, you know, across the board with everything you've said, I think you know, maybe there's that feeling that we had such a sense of optimism, even, you know, two months ago, two and a half months ago, as vaccines started to roll out, we started seeing real world data about the effectiveness of the vaccines. And I think there was a real sense of, okay, we're, we're, we're getting there, we're almost back to normal. Um, and of course, you know, the, the virus threw, you know, another variable at us in the, in the form of the variants of concern. Um, I think it's difficult at this point in time to suddenly, you know, dig your, you know, kind of feet in the sand and say, okay, we need to turn around. We need to go back to some of the things that we were doing previously with, with prior waves to get through this. Um, I think there's that sense of, oh, we're, we're past this. We, we should be well beyond this. And I think you're seeing it across, across the board. Certainly researchers, the same thing. I, I've, you know, seen a lot of colleagues that are just, just tired, just kind of burnt out by all this. But the unfortunate reality is, you know, we're, we're seeing all the things I think we've been, you know, kind of uh, alarmed about since December, mid-December with uh, B117, uh, you know, as it rolled through the UK, that sense of, oh, hospitalizations are going to start to increase. 
And then we're going to start to see, uh, you know, some some severe illness and, and concerns about uh, transmission. And we're we're getting a real sense of that, I, I think, over the past seven days. Now, is it that people are thinking, well, there aren't as many variants as there was coronavirus? Is that is that part of it? Is that why people and, and also uh, people are getting vaccinated and they think, well, you know, I've gotten the one dose of Pfizer. It's, you know, 80 percent effective after two weeks. That's pretty good. Better than the flu vaccine. Why do I have to wear this, continue to wear this mask and and remain physically distant from my loved ones? Well, you know, there's a few things, right? I think part of it is still, it's, it's really the narrative that started in you know, January 2020, which was, this was a disease that predominantly affected people that were seniors, that were elderly, mm-hmm. and that were high risk in, in regards to underlying complications and, and uh, health issues. Well, we're seeing the reality of COVID-19 right now, and that, you know what, it it produces severe disease in actually a lot of different age groups. Mm-hmm. And yes, even if you protect those that are most vulnerable, maybe we're able to to decrease fatalities. But there is still that risk of severe disease. And, and I think for us, the concern always has been that once you start increasing hospitalizations, you start putting that stress on healthcare systems. It's not just COVID-19 patients that suffer. It's everybody that needs to get access to health care. And, of course, disproportionately in, in, uh, in different uh, socioeconomic uh, statuses. So you think all this is playing out, and, and that's a new world for us. We, we're not used to seeing people that are, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, and, uh, and 50s going into the hospital and suddenly being on mechanical ventilation. That's not, that's not what COVID-19 has really been presented as. And, and now we're kind of seeing that stark reality of, of what it can be. Yes, we certainly are. And if you have a question for the fine doctor, the number to call is one eight seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. That's one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. It's a free call across Canada. Now we have uh, commenced the vaccine rollout. Um, mostly, from what I've seen, it's been Moderna and Pfizer. And all of a sudden, they, some AstraZeneca vaccines have been available. And I have to say, to the fifty-five to sixty-five year old group in British Columbia, and Anyway, and so many people have said, I don't want the AstraZeneca vaccine. I don't want the blood clot and I want the one that's most effective. Or if you say you're going to be getting the Pfizer, people are like, yay, I'm getting the Pfizer. <laughs> so yeah. what, um, uh, you know, should people want the AstraZeneca? Is it any vaccine, any time, whatever you're offered? Should people be waiting? And, and why are people afraid of the AstraZeneca? Well, you know, in, in terms of the fear, I think part of it has been based on the fact that, you know, we, we are hearing in real time, first of all, how the system works. So we understand that, you know, we, we actually are doing monitoring of, of, of severe adverse reactions and, and looking for any sort of potential complications, whether they are correlated uh, or not to, to the vaccines. So we're, we're seeing all that presented in, in real time. And obviously, AstraZeneca, there, there has been some concerns that have been raised. Now we have to start to equate this in regards to context. How, you know, in terms of the significance how significant are these across different age groups and for different people? And then you go back to the effectiveness. Well, the effectiveness, when we look at real-world data, looks AstraZeneca's looked phenomenal in the UK. We certainly have seen just a complete turnaround in, in their transmission in the communities. Um, so it becomes uh, you know, a bit of a question of what do you do? You have a vaccine that works amazingly well, but you now have a concern. So how do you message that concern back to the public in a way that still provides them with at least some feeling that they're informed, but also that they're comfortable with the vaccine. And I think 
The unfortunate fact is that for AstraZeneca, they fumbled the ball on on communication from from day one with this. And I think that's going to be kind of the lasting legacy of a really good vaccine that had some potential issues linked with it. That even if it comes out with, you know, smelling like roses, there's going to be, I think, a lot of concern and and, uh, unhappy sentiment towards that vaccine. And and it's really going to limit our ability to uh, to get control of this, I think, as, as quickly as possible. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath here with Dr. Jason Kindrachuk. He's taking your COVID questions. If you have any questions, the number to call is one 399 Dr. Kindrachuk, I do have a text message here. Um, I felt so badly, dear Maureen, I felt so badly when I realized that people living in long-term care homes were locked behind doors and windows for one full year. Finally, their families can visit them. It is limited, of course. But if somebody is double vaccinated, would they be able to see other people who have had one or two vaccinations? Can they finally hug their families? Oh, it's a great question, right? And a lot of it is still, I think, up in the air in regards to Health Canada recommendations. Certainly, the CDC in the U.S. has has made some recommendations in regards to people that are, uh, you know, that that both parties are vaccinated and that they can mix and and, and mingle. Um, I think that really it's it's going to be a question for for the regional health authority to see what their current recommendations are. I, I just haven't seen us come out with a uniformed um, kind of guidance list yet on this. You know. Um the uh, I know that in some industries that got back to work, they were very, um, very strict on wearing masks and physical distancing and shields and hand washing and sanitizing. I'm, I'm speaking about the film industry, which had tremendously low positivity rates, mm-hmm. many of them. Um, could this not have been applied to long term care homes, this philosophy? Um, can this not be applied to businesses? Um, this health questionnaire and every day taking temperatures and, and having peop- having a resource to um, answer COVID questions or questionable, you know, it, does this person have COVID or should this person be tested and, and also increasing testing? 100%. I, and, and really a lot of this comes back as well to even things like rapid tests, which are not 100% conclusive, but they give a really quick answer to whether or not somebody is currently infected at that point in time. And I, and I think we, we certainly have to take a step back and look at this afterwards and figure out, again, this disproportionality issue where we saw the implementation of some of these measures in, in certain industries and in certain areas and others that really could have used these um, and, and ended up paying a big toll for not having these. Exactly. And that was why they didn't want the public to be using masks in the first place. And then they didn't want them to use surgical masks, but they weren't actually even using them in long-term care homes, it, it seems, you know, because they weren't allowing visitors in. But there were four, five, six hundred people heading into film sets on the daily on a daily basis yeah. for, for months and, and almost a year. I do have a, um, a fellow here, a gentleman here, who says, I would like to challenge your doctor. Um, I don't believe that uh, he's correct in saying there's young folks in the hospitals with COVID. It is definitely old folks. What do you think of that? Uh, I was just looking at Ontario numbers uh, was it yesterday or the day before, uh, looking at the change in ICU admissions uh, between age groups. And I think it was up until... Uh, was it mid-January and from January to now, um, that, that we have seen uh, basically an increase in younger populations 
uh, of people that, that are in hospitals. So, no, I, I will push back on that. Uh, and say that, uh, just go to the Ontario dashboard and, and look at ICU admissions. And why is that? Why are the younger people um, being ho- hospitalized in yeah, ICU? Good question, right? I, I think there's a few things at play, right? So so one is certainly the, the workforce. The, the one thing we have to keep in mind mm-hmm. is that it, it's not necessarily just the people that are young. It's also the people that uh, likely are frontline workers that are essential but non-healthcare have not been prioritized for vaccination, but are facing the public every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, of course, we see the disproportionality of, of people that are in lower uh, socioeconomic standings as well. So I think part of it is, is that aspect. Plus, we're also seeing you know our most vulnerable that have been vaccinated. So we aren't seeing that influx of, of fatalities and hospitalizations. Um, in, you know, from long-term care facilities and, and personal care homes, but the virus is transmitting and transmitting widely in the public. So we're, we're, we're in trouble right now. I think regardless of what province you look at, except for the Atlantic bubble and the territories, it's not, it's not a good time. And how about the states? Is that, are they, they seem to be vaccinating a little bit faster, and we've got about 20 seconds left. Yeah. So, so the U.S. certainly is vaccinating faster. They're starting to see those increases, though. I mean, Florida looked like such a success story up until a couple of weeks ago, and now they're starting to see that increase and in bump up in cases. So I think they're, they're probably going to be following the same path in some areas that, that we've been going, unfortunately. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you for tuning in on this holiday Sunday. Hopefully you've all had a wonderful holiday and time with uh, your closest family members. Hopefully you didn't go out and party on this day or bring, or, or if you did, you were outdoors with ten, with nine of your closest <laughs> Friends and family, um, you know, we've been living in this pandemic for over a year. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have shut down businesses. Other people are trying to stay, keep their businesses open. It can feel incredibly chaotic. We can have the fear of the unknown. When is it ever going to end? It can all feel incredibly chaotic. My next guest knows chaos. From a family spinal cord injury, corporate restructuring, where she had to reinvent her business twice, healing stage three cancer 17 years ago with a cancer vaccine. She helps companies rise above the chaos and avoid burnout during crisis situations. And I would say we have a chronic crisis situation on our hands worldwide. She is none other than the amazing Carolyn Gross. You've heard her voice before on the program. Good evening, Carolyn. Oh, Maureen, what a thrill to be on your show, and especially on a special evening Aww, like this. Thank you so yeah. much for joining gotta, me on this we holiday. We need to resurrect, don't we? <laughs> we, we need sure to resurrect do. our world. <laughs> Rise up, baby. Yep. Yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, I got to admit, I'm a little bit low. Holidays aren't the same. You know, Thing, it just seems, no. here we go again. You know, another Easter, like last year's Easter. You know, it feels well, like, will we ever get over this, through it? Well, the, I hope I hope you, you like my new philosophy. Do you want to hear it right at the start of the show? Let's uh, kick it off, of right? Of course, yeah. So do not look for normal on the map right now. You know how in in earlier years, before our phones told us where to go and where to turn and all that, we would look at a map and we would plot and plan, right? Mm-hmm. We'd plot and plan our trips. And Well, right now, there is no normal on the map. So it's not the place to head your compass towards. 
what I'm recommending to most people is to find the place that's the least strange experience and point your your ship and your car and your consciousness there. Because <laughs> normal just ain't... Lately, it's Netflix. What's happening right now? (laughs) I said, lately, it's Netflix. (laughs) There you go. The least strange experience. Like, I can can be safe here. (laughs) Exactly. I can escape. Absolutely. (laughs) I can be safe or I can escape. A or B. You know, what what kind of night is it? Is it an A night or a B night, right? Yes, for sure. What do you think of that? There is no normal to point towards. You're absolutely correct. You certainly are. And I want to mention your books, Rise Above the Chaos, Staying Calm in the Midst of Chaos, Treatable and Beatable. So these are all awesome books. Um, If you're having a little difficulty out there, remaining calm amongst all this chaos, maybe you're worried about your business or your employees, Carolyn is here to help. If you have a question for her, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. You know, Many businesses are suffering, Carolyn. Um, even at the moment, the our hockey team here has um, allegedly has 16 unwell um, members. And um, mm. so I would imagine that there's fear and a lot of people who have businesses or who have employees who depend on them for a paycheck or having to let them go because there was a, you know, the guillotine came down and it was like closed indoor restaurants as of midnight one night last week. Um, takeout dining only, which changed is the financial picture for a lot of businesses and yes. you know one thing affects another what, what do you say to people out there who are, are panicked who are worried who are thinking they might have to file bankruptcy who don't know where their next rent check is going to come from or how they're going to put food on their table for people uh what do you recommend well we're i i am coming to you from California and California in the United States was just, it was the place that they brought the ships and the planes to from China way back at the beginning right. in March of 2020. So we went through all this takeout stuff. We went through really strictly regimented, you know, quarantining and all of this. So one thing you do when it looks that dismal is you don't focus too far ahead of your feet. You know, what's in front of me now? What can I do? Um, you know, if you if we awfulize, okay, if we go into the future and think it's awful, 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 we're in a global rebirth, okay? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of funny with Passover and Easter and whatever holidays people are <laughs> looking at this spring season, we're in a global rebirth. And I'm not trying to not, you know, honor how dramatic these changes are, but there are good things that happen in chaos. It's one of the postures that I teach my leaders and my coaching clients is, you know, chaos is the great teacher. We find out our strengths, don't we, Maureen? Yes, we do. And we find out our vulnerabilities. That's right. And oftentimes, so, you know, the, the stars only shine when it's dark out. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. But it's not dark 24-7, you know what I mean? So we just mm-hmm. have to, when the darkness comes, we have to light, look for the shining lights. We have to, you know, I, I was um, speaking on Zoom for my church today, and what happened was, 
you know, I made a point about in rebirthing new doors of opportunity open. So can I do part two of my sermon on your show? Please, please do. Please <laughs> and do. And I'm not a minister. <laughs> I don't scare anybody. Okay. Go for it. I bless you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, if Maureen's bless me, I can do this. Okay. So, but it, it, when we go through dramatic transitions and we rebirth and we start again, we have to release the past. So one of the things about the process we're in right now is where we are releasing the past. That's mm-hmm. kind of the whole point about don't look for normal on the map. Mm-hmm. And we also have to almost look back at how ingenious we've been with the recent, um, you know, year. Yes. Look, you know, look how you've, look how important your show has been. You're too kind. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, I have a feeling you've had you've increased your listeners because of the way that you go in to serve so enthusiastically. And plus, people don't have as much to do. (laughs) Yes, I enter their living rooms and maybe their bedrooms every Sunday night. Um, You know, there's been disparity in this pandemic. It seems to me, and and I'm speaking very generally, that uh, the wealthy became wealthier. And, you know, those who are marginalized or didn't have as much or lived week to week, things became harder for them. How do people deal with that unfairness? And I mean, life is not fair. That's what I was raised with. Um, But um, how how can people go on, um, you know, realizing that and thinking, how are they ever going to get out of this quicksand? So spout off, you know, give yourself an allotment of time. If you want to complain and you want to get upset about, you know, the people that are getting rich off of vaccines or the people that got rich creating it or whatever else, do you know what I mean? Whatever your beliefs are around. Okay. Uh But go ahead and get upset. Maybe 10 minutes. Okay. But after that, you're really compromising your immune system. Mm-hmm. You have to capitalize rather than awfulize right now. Now, you know, how do we, you know, how do we possibly do that? Well, we're rebirthing. So that means reinventing. And some people are going to really come out. It's interesting you brought up the hockey players because they're like gods, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. With millions of dollars. <laughs> but who cares, really? <laughs> what was that? Say I that said again. with millions of dollars and fabulous annual salaries. But really, who cares? I'm not the least bit upset about that. No. <laughs> and there's several of them that have tested pro- positive. Or yes. You brought that up at the beginning. Well, okay. allegedly, so what, yes. Okay, allegedly. So what that does is that shakes people up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that 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 normal is just not something to be striving for. Right. Everything is about reinvention, rebirthing, retooling, Mm -hmm. you know, or or scrap it and start again. (laughs) Exactly. And I I don't like to think about other people's lives because I think people, you know, struggle along the way at different times where we all get a dose of that. I have Garrett on the line from Surrey, British Columbia. Good evening, Garrett. Yes. How are you? I, I have an ad here in, uh, that was in the Vancouver province, and it says there's a, a new sex bill, and it's supposed to be better than that, uh, the other ones. It's totally and not. Lot, and a lot of it's cheaper. You never heard of it? They've been going, they, those ads have been running for such a long time. Uh, when I was actually doing um, some research at the uh, B- BC Center for Sexual Research. We actually ordered some, tested it. It doesn't have any of the ingredients that it has. Do not order that, Garrett. You will be throwing your money away. Just send me the check instead. I'll send you something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. 
um, again, rebirthing, resurrecting. <laughs> there are better ways to resurrect, my friend. Um, back to Carolyn. Thanks for the call, Garrett. Um, Carolyn, people yep. are looking for answers. They're, you know, they're looking for that panacea. They're looking to win the lottery. They're looking for the magic pill. Um, is that going to work in a pandemic? Um, are you talking about for the, the immune system and the vaccine, or are you talking about to get sane and fly right? Yeah, to get sane and to fly right. You know, I, I'm talking about both, but initially to get sane and to fly right. Um, these Do these quick fixes work? Do these, um, uh, you know, people, any port in a storm, you know, the, the easy way out? It, are we rebirthing in a way that says we're going to have to do it differently once we come out of this pandemic? We're going to have to be a little bit more compassionate about other people. We're going to be a little bit more unified and, and be more caring and sharing. Well, first of all, whatever communities that you've had for support before, those communities have all been through an evaluative process during this time of year-long crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So some people have gotten closer and some people not so close. But we need community more than ever because I think we can't think and process and rebirth ourselves out of this alone. Mm -hmm. So in the coaching world, coaching, coaching is up. Like people are hiring coaches more than ever. My favorite thing that I'm offering is uh, mastermind mentoring, allowing people to get through the post COVID traumatic stress experience, right. mm -hmm. you know, now, but you can, where, where do you want to do that? If you don't want to go to a rise above the chaos, by the way, program, and that's riseabovethechaos.net in case people want to explore what that is. And there's one starting in April on the 28th. But what happens is the reason I developed these programs, and there's a lot of resources out there through people's churches, through people's hobbies, you know, musicians are making music together. I mean, we need to be with like-minded people right now. That's stabilizing. Absolutely. So that's the panacea. Yes. That's the panacea. That, I couldn't agree with you more. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting the program. Carolyn Gross is my guest of creativelifesolutions.com. She is a life coach. She is an author, author of Rise Above the Chaos, Treatable and Beatable, and Breaking the Cancer Code, and also staying calm in the midst of chaos. Carolyn, thanks for staying on the line. Um, I'm, I wanted to talk about coaching, life coach. You say that uh, the request for that is up. Are, who... Uh, is are life coaches limited to people who already make a lot of money and and can afford it or and and also how can uh, a life coach benefit a person who's considering it somebody who's thinking about it out there so first of all my lane is working with leaders i call myself a leadership success strategist mm -hmm. the reason that i chose the leadership lane is because in the chaos that we're in today, it's the leaders who are seeing us through. They're the ones who are having to, you know, figure out the new normal. Uh, 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 there is no such thing. Remember, I said mm -hmm. there was. But the, <laughs> the new, new normal the is new, there's no um, normal. Yeah, the new normal when there's no normal. So why is coaching up? So in coaching, you get validation. 
right? Mm -hmm. You get validation on whatever the change is and and a place to air it out, vet it out, you know, because really creative people, you're one of them, right? (laughs) I don't Don't, know. Thank you. you. Don't you have to vet things out like, hey, I have this idea, but, you know, you've got to talk at least 15 minutes in circles, right? Yes. So it's validation of whatever the task is or the challenge you've got to overcome. Then the next part is preparation. Coaches help prepare you. (laughs) Mm. They prepare you. You know, they get you, you know, lined up with what has to change. What are the steps that have, have to happen? Is there education involved, certifications involved, whatever the legal, whatever has. And through all of that, that's going to help them, you know, take the task at hand and, and lead the way. And the last part is navigation. So it's validation, preparation, and navigation is what my coaching is and who doesn't need that right now oh absolutely and you mentioned something about ideas you know some people come up with brilliant ideas but it's that execution that they have difficulty with or you know if if they don't have the right skill set perhaps that's a great idea but they don't have the right skill set or they don't know the right people um how about those people who come up with idea upon idea upon idea and never fully act upon one can they benefit from a coach Absolutely, because they need to be, they have to focus and aligned. And we have a lot of ADD in this digital age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And because there's just bells and apps and whistles and all these things, and we can get all excited and then we can scrap what we were working three years on because we think something newer and brighter and shinier is there. So, again, with a trusted advisor, which is what I call a coach, for sure, um, you're able to navigate through, you know, really what's the core thing? Do you need to adapt it or add on to it? But let's drop these other three projects. You know, you can't, you know, build a building, write the book, and do a book tour, you know, all in the same year. <laughs> you know, you've got to right. and take, it- take it. Uh, no, I was just going to say, and dare I say, women are often guilty of that, uh, the multitasking and working inside and outside of the home, the kids, you know, working on a business. We're used to it, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We are. Because, because of all those hats, right. And but, that's another reason. So, again, what does a coach do? Grounds you. Yes. It's a grounding. Mm-hmm. It's a grounding. It's it's mm-hmm. a I, I was listening to another radio program <laughs> on the way in here tonight, and uh, a mother called in. It was a mother show, and a mother called in to say, you know, she's got a full time business, and she's got these two kids, and there she's homeschooling them, and and you know she finds like by one o'clock she's you know losing her cool with them because she's trying to manage her. Um, business and she's trying to manage her kids and, you know, they're doing online schooling and, and the advice to her was um, give the kids up for adoption, (laughs) which I I thought was a bit rude, (laughs) brutal, um, and and slightly unrealistic. Um, We'd all like to give them up for adoption every now and again. Um, But, uh, you know, can a woman do it all? Well, let's put it this way. We need safe harbors. We need safe harbors, and that's where we get our reservoirs of strength filled. Some would, you know, that's too that's too broad of a question. Maureen, can a woman do it? I love it. So, I mean, you know, oh, I can. I love your courage in your questions. <laughs> I, I did it all. I'm spot, still doing you, it you know? all. 
we're constantly doing it all. Um, I get no respect either. Um, I, I wish we could chat longer. I love chatting to you. I love your energy. You're amazing. Carolyn Gross. Thank you. Uh, CreativeSolutions.com. That's your website, right? Have I got the right website? Absolutely. You've got CreativeLifeSolutions.com. And, and, you know, anytime you invite me back, especially if it's April 18th, I'm coming. Oh, you know you're, that, you're right? definitely on. Let's book you for sure. We've got lots to talk about. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. Happy and Passover. You. However, you celebrate. It's time for the Bedroom Bulletin. And there is a gentleman on the line from Italy. His name is Robert Party, and he was was an investment banker. And he gave up that career to be just that, an unpaid caregiver to his wife who was dying and living with breast cancer for 11 years. Good evening, Robert. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I apologize for the technological Good. difficulties. No, um, maybe it's because it's still a holiday in Italy. Easter lasts for two days. So oh, maybe okay. there was a problem with the phone. <laughs> I'm sure there was. Well, happy Easter to you, Robert. <laughs> to you and everybody else as well. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining me to talk about this subject sure. uh, tonight. I'm, I'm so sorry at the loss of your beautiful wife. Um, you know, now tell oh, thank me, you, very much. you became a caregiver. That wasn't a path in life that you had ever probably thought about, uh, having been an investment banker. And then your wife became ill. Tell me a little bit about that transition. Sure. Um, definitely not a path that I would have ever expected. Um, but I loved my wife very much, so it was something that wherever I supported her, I could actually with her studies and so forth. But um, very early on in our marriage, uh, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer uh, when I had just been offered a job in the Middle East. And um, she was just uh, spectacular. She was studying to become a doctor herself. She was doing an MD, PhD. She eventually became the head of palliative care at New York Hospital, while Cornell, um, understanding, she said, who better to be a palliative care doctor than someone confronting their own mortality? But a few, basically after all her treatment, she did something very aggressive, a stem cell transplant, which now we know is no um, not applicable at all to breast cancer. And other treatments. She was in remission for a short period of time, but then her breast cancer came back in her liver. She had always asked not to know any of the specifics, but that's the way she lived her life. She Mm -hmm. didn't even know her GPA from university. So I was making all the medical decisions given a structure she had given me, but the further as time went on, basically, um, it became more and more difficult for her. And in 2008, her um, oncologist called me to his office, and he had never done that. And I'll tell you, it was, a nine, it was nine blocks from our apartment. It was March. I walked out of my apartment in flip-flops, shorts, and a T-shirt, because mm-hmm. New York apartments are very, very hot. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a completely different world. I cried the whole way there because I knew what he was going to tell me. And um, he had told me that her cancer was n- uncontrollable by that point. Mm. And I asked what I needed to do. And he said, well, you would need to become her hospice. And I said, okay. And I, I left my job. 
And being a palliative care doctor, I, uh, she had already taught me a lot just from her studies. But I tell you, it was just, it felt like a natural transition that I didn't fight against because I knew from the very beginning, my actions were helping this woman live her life. Mm-hmm. And actually it made her, allowed her to achieve her goals. Um, she, she volunteered in India, in a hospital in India. We traveled all around the world. Um, she lived her life just accelerated, um, is what I'd like to say. But I understood that being a caregiver allowed her that, gave her the opportunity to live her life. And it taught me a lot about myself. Um, it strengthened our relationship as well. Up until the very end where, you know, you do confront those difficulties where we would argue because she didn't want to be married to a parent. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing else that could have been done at that point because she needed to have um, liquid, liquid nutrition. And there were a lot of other things that needed to be done at the very end of her life. Uh, when she wound up being hospitalized for the last time, she just looked over to me and um, she held my hand and she said, Robert, I'm tired. And I said, okay, baby, rest. And I knew that was her way of telling me, please remove life-sustaining care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though I was making all the decisions, she was very active in the way she lived her life mm-hmm. um, and gave me very clear instructions as well. How, how old were the two of you at the time? She was diagnosed right before her um, 31st birthday, um, and I was 32. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was actually diagnosed in the Middle East because she had finished her Ph.D. and she took a leave leave of absence to live with me in Abu Dhabi. But to get a residency visa, you have to go through a short physical. And so we said, why not do a full physical? She had a pain under her arm. She had actually found the lump a year before, and there's no fault here, in in my Mm -hmm. opinion, because in the late 90s, a 29, 30-year-old woman with Mm -hmm. cystic breasts was not going to go under a mammogram or a biopsy. But in Dubai, they felt that a biopsy was worthwhile, and first they did a needle aspiration, and there was no fluid. She knew what that meant, and that led Mm. me on learning very quickly about breast cancer and about supporting someone with breast cancer. And um, as a caregiver, I think our instinct is to learn as much as possible because we're trying to fix. And when I learned that my job wasn't to fix, Mm -hmm. my job was to support and give her the, the means or the strength to confront what she needed to confront made a world of difference. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Uh, my guest is Robert Party in honor of National Caregiver Day. It's an opportunity to acknowledge the critical role that Canada's 8.1 million caregivers play in providing unpaid care to a family member or friend with a physical, cognitive, or mental health condition. Thanks for staying on the line, Robert. Oh, no problem. Before we forget, I want to get to the virtual course that you are 
offering, the one-hour virtual course uh, that you're going to offer. And tell me what that course is going to be about for caregivers. Sure. It's a partnership between Teva Canada and Huddle Journeys. And basically, the course is introducing people to the concept of resilience. Huddle Journeys is an app which caregivers could use that has seven-day journeys, which allow people to walk through concepts such as resilience or slowing down. There's um, a number of, of different programs on the app itself. And mine, mine is on resilience. And I walk people through what I believe resilience is, how I found resilience as a caregiver. And, and, and that's on April 6th. Okay. And, and what time? Is there a particular time or... Oh, yeah, sorry. It's, um, it's at noon. At noon, noon um, Eastern Time. Eastern yeah. Standard Time. Okay. I might yeah. um, tune into that, even though I am not a caregiver, but I deal with a lot of uh, people who are caregivers. Um, and, and I know that it can be extremely stressful on a caregiver, especially somebody who is of advancing age, who's looking after their uh, husband who or wife who may be suffering from MS or um, a, a progressive neurodegenerative disease or dementia. Um, so how can that kind of stress impact the caregiver themselves? And do you have any quick tips for um, helping them out? Sure. Um, first, I'd also like to say I'd love for you to, to tune in because um, resilience is a concept anyone can use. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just uh, supporting caregivers on National Caregiver Day uh, with this free virtual class. But resilience is all about managing change proactively. And so if you think about anyone that is confronting, especially as, as like you said, if you're, you're advanced in age and you're dealing with a, a spouse or a partner that is not well, change can be very overwhelming. And part of the concept of resilience is to understand how to accept that you are capable of managing changes in the moment. We tend to, from from a caregiver point of view, if you're looking at the overall journey, which tends to not feel hopeful, of course, because if you think a parent is a caregiver, but there's hope. Mm-hmm. When you're defining caregiver to, for someone that's, that's ill, you, you lack hope. Resilience helps attach you to hope because it attaches you to finding the positivity in the moment and enjoying those moments with whoever you're caregiving for. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the journey itself walks people through understanding because for me, I found that Resilience was found between purpose, perspective, and personal power. But what I would say here is also that it also walks people through ideas of mindfulness and something that's called cognitive diffusion, which is to let go. Sometimes a caregiver can be so overwhelmed with thoughts. Something happens, maybe the person takes a turn for the worse, and all of a sudden you're 10 steps ahead of what's happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing that is extremely important for a caregiver is to be their own caregiver. And it feels very selfish because it's very, we, when, when you fall into the caregiver role, you want to be a superman or a superwoman. You want to do it all. You tend to ignore yourself. 
But if you don't take care of yourself, you have nothing to give the other person. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And you need to sort of hunker down for the, the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. And so even with a practice like cognitive diffusion where you're letting go of thoughts, it allows you to, to take that breath. And there's, there's many other things such as meditation or a, a, a journey on huddle apps, for, for example, is a, a 15 to 30 minute retreat to listen to something different and think something different because you, you, you need to sort of change your perspective and reaching out for care. When, when I was a caregiver, there weren't programs like um, the friendly pharmacy program. There weren't resources, but when you're a caregiver, all of a sudden you're speaking a different language and think about it. If you're learning Spanish, are you going to speak to somebody that speaks English, you need to speak to someone that speaks Spanish. And it's the same thing as a caregiver. You've already, you've learned a million medical terms you never thought you would know in your life. And you're confronting things that are foreign to most people. So when you're able to also reach out to, I was somebody that fought against a support group, but what I realized is I was able to talk to people that understood the journey. Absolutely. And, and you understand very, very it. Important. I can tell you understand it well. We're almost out of time. How can listeners take advantage of the free 30-day unlimited access to the Huddle um, app, to the Huddle Journeys app? They can, sure. They can go to TevaCanada.com because mm-hmm. Teva Canada is sponsoring um, this, this one-hour program. And they scroll down to find my journey and it says building resilience through change. And they can just click and register for free. Wonderful. I'm going to do that right after this show is over. Robert, thank you so much. Wonderful. I really, really appreciate you coming on on the show and um, sharing your your heart-wrenching story, really. But, um, you know, there's... Yeah, it, was, it was my pleasure. Uh, there's always stars in the darkness, as I say. That's the only time they shine. You certainly are shining. I'm sorry you had to go through that time of your life. But uh, but thank you so much for sharing your gifts. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.